I ended up with me isolating myself in my dorm for two weeks and my parents come in and taking me home. So I failed that year at university and I had to build myself back up again to go back and graduate. So through that experience, I, in so many ways, had to dig really deep, but my mental, mental health, it suffered. I went on that spiral downwards into isolation. That became loneliness and that gradually became depression, which led me to not want to go out and be part of society again. I had to almost work my way back up that spiral. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with James Shannon. This is episode 12. Today, we will be talking to environmental psychologist and well-being consultant Lee Chambers from LeeChambers.org. In 2014, Lee had lost the ability to walk. He then managed to recover, but not from the help of any medication. And on top of all of that, he had to overcome some mental health issues too. This is a really incredible story that I'm happy he decided to share with us today. This is my conversation with Lee Chambers. Lee Chambers had an 18-month-old son and a pregnant wife. He had also lost his ability to walk. He was told that he was too young and too diverse to set up business. He was also dealing with mental health challenges. And Lee Chambers is here to talk about how he overcame these challenges. And I want to thank you, Lee, for agreeing to have a conversation with me today. It's a pleasure to be with you, James. The pleasure is all mine. Now, like I just said, you went through a, a lot of stuff. One of the things you went through was you lost the ability to walk. How did you lose that ability and when? Yeah, it was 2014. I just turned 29. And in so many ways, I was young, I was healthy. I had my young family and I was, you know, kind of moving up in my own little way. I just got married, bought my first house. My business was doing well. And you kind of feel like you're on that upward spiral, you know, making your way towards the life that you want to build for yourself. And then all of a sudden, on one Friday, my wrist swole up and locked in place. And I was like, oh man, this ain't good. But maybe I just used the computer too much this week at work. Maybe I'll just rest it over the weekend and it'll be okay. And then I went out for a meal with my family and friends on the Sunday. And we came back from that. And suddenly on the way back from the place where we were eating, my knee did the same thing and then locked in place. So I couldn't, re- I couldn't get out of the car properly. And I was like, oh man, like, this, this ain't great. I had a bit of a moment when I went back into the house and I was like, well, I can't move my leg. Like, I'm a bit worried about this. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm a young man. I'm indestructible. I'll be fine. I'm just going to go to the doctors when it opens again on Monday morning and, you know, they'll be able to give me something and that'll sort it out. So I hobble down to the doctors and they give me some cardio steroids and say, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty swollen, but these should take it down. So I'm like, yeah, this will sort it out. I'll be fine. On the Tuesday, my shoulder starts rising up and going closer and closer to my ear. So that's, that's started to swell up as well. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this really ain't good. But I'm sure, that, I'm sure this medication will sort it out. I woke up on the Wednesday morning and my other knee started to lock in place. And I was like, right, I'm in trouble here. My mother-in-law came around and said, right, 
don't be foolish, you're going to the hospital. So off to the hospital, we went straight through to the emergency department. The consultant takes one look at me and it's like, yeah, this is not good. Take him straight through to the back of the hospital. And that really started a journey of me trying to get back walking, trying to get back well again. And yeah, I mean, from there, what kind of happened is I was in my hospital bed. I couldn't walk. Also, I couldn't show myself. I couldn't eat properly. I had everyone caring for me. I was in a lot of pain. So I was, I was taking drugs to control that. And it was challenging at first. I really felt like that initial shock of it all. Like, man, like, I'm really unwell. Like, what, what am I going to do? And then came the, hmm, this, is, this isn't really fair. Like, I'm young. Like, why me? And then I started to gradually move through into that almost like grief for my mobility, thinking, mm. like, what if I don't walk again? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young man. Part of my identity, part of my psyche, is, your, is that physicality to move around, to go and play a sport, to walk proudly around. And I saw that, what if, what if that's been taken away? How am I going to re-identify with myself? What really happened is I went through that and I needed to go through those negative emotions to process it and kind of get there. Because in that second week, all of a sudden it kind of hit me. Like I was in hospital and feeling a bit sorry for myself. And like a bolt of lightning, it hit me because you get a hell of a lot of time to reflect when you can't move around. <laughs> Imagine. And I was just like, never once in these 29 years of me walking around this planet, I've ever thought, damn, I'm grateful for walking. Never once thought that. And then, then I, I, I expanded that out a bit. I'm like, I'm here in this hospital bed. There's people bringing me food. There's people helping me shower. There's people who care for me, coming visiting, coming helping me. Through all their challenges, they are here for me. They care. And have I been that grateful to them people? No. No, I haven't really haven't been as grateful as I should have been. And then I realised, you know what? I've grown up in a first world country. I've always had food. I've had always had a roof over my head. And I've had education. I've got healthcare. I've had lots of opportunities, the freedom to set up a business, freedom to have different jobs and careers. Like, why should I lie here and feel sorry for myself? And that moment really put me on, on, a, on a roller coaster upwards. And I was like, you know what? This disease, I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. But it's attacking me. And it's my immune system attacking my joints. But I'm going to attack this disease as much as it's attacking me. I'm going to take ownership over this disease and say, you know what? I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to get back walking. And whatever the doctors say, that, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to have that identity. And I came out of hospital, went home. And obviously, you, you have to adapt so many things when you lose parts of what you can do. And yet, I adapted and realized that's just how it's going to be. But I'm going to get back up. My daughter was then born not long after. And I was like, you know what? By the time she's walking, I'm going to be walking too. Yes. Why not? That's that power of why. I have a reason. I'm going to be running around that garden with my children. And on those days when it was hard, when I was in agony, 
when I was stiff, when I didn't want to do my exercises, when I didn't want to go into walking rehab and physio again and again and again. I just told myself, this is who I'm going to be. So it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel on that morning waking up. If you live from your feelings, you'll never do anything. Because most of the time, you just want to do what's comfortable. And learning to walk again is not a comfortable experience. And yet by anchoring into that identity and saying, you know what, this is me walking around again, proud, with my family, with my children. That's, that's me. That's where I'm going. Made me consistent every day. Helped me on those days when actually I couldn't take as many steps or the angle I could push my knee out to was a bit less because I knew that in a few days it was going to go up again because I was on that climb up that mountain to get my mobility back. And I had a bit of a setback after six months because I got back on my feet, but I wasn't walking right. I was pushing it a bit too far. It started to compress the vertebrae in my spine, causing me a lot of pain, putting me back into physio again to sort out my walking to make sure I was looking after every other part of my body while I was walking. And after 11 months, I walked a mile without any kind of walking aid. And that was it for me then. I was like, you know what? If I can get through this, then I can help other people get through this. I can empower them to push that bit further, to be proactive, to see the suffering as not, a ch- as not a threat, but as a challenge. You take ownership over these things, and man, that's like jet fuel. You can, you can almost push the boundaries on anything in your life if you just flip the focus and have that mentality. It's not a threat. It's a challenge. It's not a failure. It's just an experiment. So you made it through this experience and first of all, I'm, I'm just happy that you had those people around you that were able to help you and support you. And you had that moment, that moment, those weeks in the hospital where you realized that, you know, I'm not going to let this be me. I'm going to fight this disease back. So I just want to applaud you for that because I can't imagine not being able to walk and play and run with my kids. Yeah. Do you still have any issues walking today? Um, so I can walk. I struggle to run, but I've managed to keep my level of walking at a good level now for a number of years. And in fact, I've really pushed on with my disease in a lot of ways. So over the last few years, I've been testing and experimenting with my nutrition, my sleep and my movement to see what works for me, what gives me more energy, what foods drain me what makes my inflammation trigger, what things, what things can I tolerate so I can have a bit of, but too much is bad. Like what time do I need to sleep at? What times are best? My sleep environment, my bedroom, I've been testing the temperature, the bedding. I've just gone on, I literally put a lab coat on and started experimenting with my own life and just seeing where the boundaries were and what worked for me. Because really in so many ways, that was my mission. It was to come off medication because medication that I'm on dampens my immune system so I don't attack myself, which is useful because it means that my joints are usable. But at the same time, it's not good for your overall lifespan if you're taking medication which is killing off certain white blood cells. It's also killing off all sorts of other stuff. Mm. It's not pleasant stuff. It's not nice at all. So I was just like, I, I need to come off this. can't spend my whole life on, on this medication. It's not good. So I was like, I'm determined. If I can get back walking, then surely I can get 
control this disease and start controlling it just by what I do rather than taking the medication. So that's been a process of about three years. But as of next week, I'll take my last dose and that'll be it. Oh, wow. I'll be able to just control it through diet, through sleep, through exercise, and just through the mindset of understanding that sometimes I'm going to be stiff. Sometimes it's going to hurt. And yet, in so many ways, popping a load of pills to just make you think <laughs> that your is doing something. And we have so much control over our body and mind when we really dig that bit deeper, find out exactly what works for us because we're all bio-individual. We're all different. We all have our own genetic expression. So why would what work for one person work for everyone? Why would one drug that works for one person work for everyone? It, 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 it just doesn't. You've got to look at the world in an integrated way. As soon as you look at it in isolation, that's why that drug you're taking, oh, it's, it sorts out this one symptom. But there's like 20 side effects because it knocks every other system out of place while you're taking it. And it's like, yeah, when you look at the world like that, you're like, actually, maybe it's just better if I try and do it myself. Well, I'm glad that you are taking your final dose. That's amazing. I mean, I know you said like with the food and the sleeping, I mean, there's a whole lot of thinking that you have to do. And then on top of that, you had some mental health issues that you had to overcome. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah. So it kind of splits down into, into two significant periods. So the first one was when I went to university. So I'm in that position where I'm from a mixed race family. And we grew up in the north of England. So, you know, my parents worked hard. They had that hard work mentality. And it was good. I mean, I didn't see my dad much. He was, most of the time, he was out working. And in so many ways, that kept, you know, food on our table and a roof over our heads. And I was grateful for that. And being that first one in the whole family to go to university, that was kind of what my mission was. That's what my parents have said, you know, you're clever, you're talented, do well, do well at school, do well at college. You'll be able to get, you know, a good education behind you because, you, you know, you, you're a bright young lad, so just go and do that. So I, that's what I went and did. I got myself into university and then I found it challenging. It was hard because for many years I've been told, ah, oh, you're clever. And then what happens is, you, you don't really try very hard because naturally you start to just believe you're on hype because people keep telling you. So I, I went to university and the first year it was fine. I, I coasted through. The second year I moved in and that gave me freedom. That first six months I joined new clubs and societies. I met new people. I started to take control of my own life and that felt good. But what unfortunately happened in, in the second half of the year is that all caught up with me a bit and realized that when I was trying to transition from a child to an adolescent to an adult, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know how to make that jump. So I was like, who, who am I going to be as a man? I don't actually know. I don't have a great example from my father about who a man is, apart from someone who works really hard to make sure that your kids are looked after, your kids get the basic needs, the simple things. But I was like, Everyone's just been telling me all these years I'm this and I'm that. And in so many ways, I'm a bit different than other people. I'm not typical, so to speak. I'm far from normal. I'm a bit crazy. So it was like, who am I? And who am I going to be as a man? I didn't really have 
the emotional intelligence to dig that bit deeper. I hadn't really had those failures that you need to bring your character out. So I hit this hard period. I choked on stage in front of my whole university year in a presentation, right in the middle, stood there and froze completely. And I was like, whoa, is this what my destiny is? Freezing, failing, struggling. And I was like starting to not look after myself, struggling living with so many other students. And yeah, the kitchen went downhill, the bathroom went downhill, and then I was avoiding doing what I needed to do. I started to isolate myself in my dorm. And that kind of then spiraled a bit out of control as I started to miss exams and not go to my lectures. And yeah, so it ended up with me isolating myself in my dorm for two weeks and my parents coming and taking me home. So I failed that year at university and I had to build myself back up again to go back and graduate. So through that experience, I, in so many ways, had to dig really deep, but my mental mental health, it suffered. I went on that spiral downwards into isolation. That became loneliness and that gradually became depression, which mm-hmm. led me to not want to go out and be part of society again. I had to almost work my way back up that spiral. And as a young man, people don't want to listen to you saying, ah, my head's not right. Especially, this was tw- almost 20 years ago now. It wasn't the resources. It wasn't the awareness. It wasn't the help. University didn't help me one bit. They, they were just like, you failed because you've not turned up. And I was like, damn, that's like, that's not doing my head any good at the minute. And obviously, for today's young men, there is more out there, and yet it's difficult to speak about it. It's difficult to have those deep conversations, especially when school doesn't teach us how to ask powerful questions. It just teaches us how to find some answers, write it on some paper, and then here you go, you can move through to the next phase of your life. Yeah. So that kind of, that really called me and forms part of my work today around helping young men find the voice especially if they're struggling, someone else to talk to and just let it out because I didn't have that. I bottled it up inside. I didn't have anyone to speak to. I didn't want to speak to anyone. And when it's like that, no one will facilitate that conversation. So when I lost the ability to walk, I had those voices again. They came back, that grief, that this like, oh, this, is, this is my identity that's been taken away. I've been playing sport only last week. I was running around playing team sports with my friends. And now look at me, I'm in a hospital bed. Am I ever going to be able to do that again? I actually mourned for the fact that I might not be able to run. And you know what? I still struggle running to this day. And yet I started to realise that that doesn't define me either. When I went into those dark places in hospital, I managed to climb back out again. And I think that's because of the challenges I'd had before. And sometimes you actually need these challenges. You need to go quite deep and dark because I'm sure the same comes from your story. We actually get better at navigating those dark times when we've been there before and we start to understand a bit more and also become more aware and are more able to ask for help. And if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you can do, then it's time for you to speak up because people are more aware now. Like, I couldn't have Googled back in the day, like, my mental health's going, what do I do? But now you can. 
And in so many ways, when I was in that hospital bed, I started to feel grateful. I had this picture in my head. I was saying, what if I was an orphan on the other side of the world where there's no hospitals? This is who I was thinking of. I could have been an orphan. There could be no one visiting me today. In fact, I might be in a country where there isn't really any hospitals. There isn't access to medication. Like, why would I feel down about this? I'm, I'm in a great position. And in some ways, that, that gives you a certain fire inside you to think, actually, I'm lucky. And that feeling of luckiness, actually, it can bring moments of joy throughout your life and make you feel happier when you realise what you've got. And I think the current situation we're in today does make you realise all the things that you take for granted. Because all of a sudden, they've been taken away. When they're taken away, a bit like my walking was taken away, you see, damn, like, I just go down to the restaurant, have some food, and I don't think about it. But no, I can't do it. Man, how good's that? Just walking around the park. Like, I just do that. It's like, oh, it's all good. Take my kids to the park. No, I can't do it. Like, man, that feels that feels good. What a chance. Something on my doorstep that I can go to. And I think as human beings, we, we need that crisis to get that clarity, you know, mm-hmm. to see what we've actually got. And we don't see that until it's taken away. Yeah, Lee, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's like I used to go to the movies at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. And I didn't realize how much I'm grateful that I was able to do that. And it's like you said, there, there's people, there's places where you don't even have a movie theater. But now that once it's taken from me, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how lucky I was to be able to go and do what I want to do whenever I wanted to. And then also like another point that you made that I, I really love is, yes, I've been in dark places, but it's weird. I'm kind of happy for those places for being in those dark places because when it happens again, I know what to do. I know how to navigate through it or even tell people what worked for me and what I did, which is like kind of like what I think you do. Is that what you do? I mean, you say you, you work with uh, men that don't have anybody to, to talk to. Is, is that what people can find on your website, essentialized.co.uk? Yeah. So I basically have now two business is where one, I work with individuals help them find the you know the the passion and the purpose the direction that they're traveling in so kind of help them find who they are authentically and then do a bit of work with them on that that nutrition and sleep stuff that i did on myself and empower them to do that as well to just give them more energy to do what they want to do whether that be to play with the children to push on at work or just to have more time to do the things that they love the hobbies their interests uh, and then we also take a little bit of a look on the beliefs that they hold and how they might be holding them back and things from the childhood that they still carry with them today that make them place boundaries and restrictions on where they can go. Because for so many people, we do kind of hold ourselves back and we do carry around things from our childhood, which we believe to be true. And when you actually challenge those and break them down, they're just things that stop you from getting to where you want to be. And we've all got a potential that's amazing. We've all got gifts inside of us. Sometimes you just need someone to help bring a bit of a key and give you that key so you can unlock it yourself. And that's what I do through my coaching practice. But I've also got a workplace wellbeing practice. So I go into businesses 
and bring health awareness. I ignite those conversations around physical health, mental health, diversity and inclusion, and actually start to work inside businesses to change the culture, to actually see a wider picture, to see the people who work there as people who can be developed, who can be innovative, who can actually be empowered to be more, to become leaders themselves, and actually to realize that they've all got the answers. And as a business, you're here to do something for the world, you know, as a vehicle to make some kind of change, to make a statement, to disrupt things. And I help companies align their vision of what they want to be create those values and then communicate them down through the organization so everyone is on the same vehicle traveling on that highway in the right direction and when you do that people jump on that vehicle and they know where they're going in fact they want to go where the business is going so they turn up to work they're motivated they're engaged they actually want to be there and then we look at the environments so do people feel that they're going to be blamed if they make a mistake? Do people feel that if they try something new, they're going to get shamed? They're going to get told they're a failure? And looking at those negative environments where people feel like they're going to get harassed because of what they believe and who they are and how you can actually open it up and say, you know what, everyone is different. But everyone has something amazing to bring. They won't bring it if you hold them down, if you push them back. So that workplace culture, and then we look a little bit on the physical elements of a workplace as well. So everyone has their own environmental stresses. Make sure that people are not sat in places where it's too noisy, where there's not enough ventilation, where the lighting is just not right for them. Like so often, an office is designed by an architect, signed off by a board, by financial departments, and then set up by facilities managers. They never even ask the people who work there every day. How do you want it to be? How would it work for your job? How do you want it designed so that it flows? Is it congruent with what you want to do? Is it functional for your life? You're here eight hours a day. In fact, do you want to go and sit over there where it's a bit cooler and a bit darker? Would that work for you? Because Jeff here, he wants to sit where you are, where it's lighter and it's warmer. And it's like, no one ever asked these questions. Never. I'll go and do a survey of 40 employees and like 25 of them will come up with the same things that annoy them. I'll take that to management and say, look, I've done an assessment here. Your employees are saying that this, these are issues and it's not two employees. It's more than half the people are saying that this is an issue and they only take it seriously when they actually see that. Those employees will have gone before and said, oh, I'm not happy with this and they'll have just been like, yeah, he's just said that. He moans all the time. And it's like when people mourn, it's because they actually care. It's when they stop mourning that you've got a problem. I've had so many jobs where I wish somebody would come in and just ask us how do we feel about our work environment. But like you said, nobody cares until somebody else comes in and they bring it up and bring it to their attention. Can you provide any tips you may have for people that have had similar experiences that you've had, you know, that had overcome some mental issues or something physical? Yeah, it's definitely about digging that bit deeper. So when you when you start to understand yourself better and you have increased that self-awareness and consciousness, you're able to just navigate through these things just that bit easier. 
And it actually gives you a lot of fuel when you're aligned with who you truly want to be and what your passions are. So what happens is when you're trying to be someone else, trying to be what society said you should be, when you hit those challenging bumps in the road, your mask starts to slip. And you spend a lot of energy trying to keep that mask on of your identity that you've built. And yet, when we come into the world as a baby, we don't have that identity. We've not built anything up. We're just pure. We're just ourselves. And then over the years, we do kind of build up who we are. And yet, there becomes a point as an adult where it's time to dip in and find out who you really are. Because that actually gives you that resilience when times get hard. Because the winter is always coming. And sometimes in the summer, it's time to do some good work on yourself. But again, it's really about ownership because life is full of ups and downs. It's like an ECG. It's like a heartbeat at the hospital. You, life, you're up, you're down. If it were flat and you didn't have those ups and downs, you'd be dead. So it's so important that we actually see that things are going to come. Difficult times will come in our lives. That uncertainty, that discomfort, it's vital. We have to suffer to grow. And there will be injustice. People will treat us wrong. But it's really, you have a choice of how you react and take that. And you can then try and work through. If you've got that understanding of yourself, it just allows you to move around the world. You've got to be accountable because we don't have control over so much of our external circumstances. And yet we do have a control over how we react and our response. And if we actually choose to be proactive and try and seek out that help when we need it, don't be too proud. Don't be, don't be afraid because people care. You do have to find the right people, but they're out there. And now with the internet, the world is a little bit smaller. You can find places where people have had that struggle before. And sometimes you might need to almost find a mentor who can help you on the path back. People who've been there, people who've traveled that, they'll be able to look and think, these are the places where I fell down. And this is why I can help you to maybe look and think, you'll not fall down as many times if you look at my path. So it's, it's really being open and honest and being able to have those conversations. But that all starts with you. You've got to have the courage and the bravery to step out when times are hard. And I kind of think that in so many ways, an, an, old, an old saying from the military comes back to me many times, and it's just like, no one needs soldiers on a sunny day. You need soldiers on the darkest of days. And on your dark days, you've still got to turn up for yourself. You've got to take that ownership. This is me. I'm going to build myself back up. Every failure is it's an experiment. Don't attach emotion to it. Don't look back and think, I failed. Because you didn't fail. Something you did failed. And you know what? In every failure, if you treat it like an experiment, remove that emotion and actually unpick it apart. What you find is things that you shouldn't do in the future. Little things that actually they were good you just didn't do it right and then little bits of treasure that you can take with you for the rest of your life and in so many ways like an oyster doesn't make a pearl unless a parasite comes and attacks it and irritates it so much 
it makes this little bit of shiny treasure. Well, damn, that's a bit like life. Big things come and attack you. They irritate you. They make you uncomfortable. They make you suffer. And yet every time that happens, you make a pearl. It's like they say, no pressure, no diamonds. So you've got to kind of almost look at these things because they're coming. No one is perfect. No one ever lives a life where nothing challenging happened. And you know that, James, because you've had many challenges. And look at the, you know, look at the enlightened person that you are today speaking to me on the other side of the pond. And it's just like those challenges, they make us. I lost the ability to walk. I went into those dark places. I'm now a bigger man, bigger husband, bigger father than I was on the other side. It made me more grateful. It made me appreciate. It made me realize I can, I can go through challenges, come out the other side, bigger, stronger. It's like going to the gym. You train and break your muscles down, but then you rest and you build back up. The same works for your mind and your spirit. You work on those, you rest and they'll be built back up. As long as you don't continually work them, work them, work them to the point where you become tired and burnt out, give them space to relax. Get your sleep right. Eat well where you can. Treat your body. Your body and your mind is your biggest asset. And there's no doubt about it. You're going to go through life. There will be challenges. But you can almost overcome anything if you just believe in it and push forward and just look and think, I can get that a little bit better every day. But it only takes a little bit every day. And that compounds over time. You're consistent. That becomes who you are. You become the person who's pushing that a little bit more. And actually, that means that when you get knocked back, you don't get knocked back to zero because you consistently work your way up to a 1,000. You might get knocked back to 700, but you know you can get back again. And it's just having that belief, just knowing you can continue growing. Life's a journey. And just think, when you're on your deathbed, what regrets do you want? You don't want the regrets that I didn't do this, and I didn't stay in contact with them, and I didn't live the life that I wanted, and I hid away, didn't put myself out there. You want to say, I was me, I was authentic, I brought my gifts to the world, I stayed in touch with the people that mattered, and I can leave this planet knowing that I made a difference. Yes. Wow, you were sitting into some chills thinking like, yeah, you, I feel like you speaking to me directly, but you're right. Life has challenges. Nobody lives life without challenges. And we have those up and downs. And I, I like how you said it was fat like EKG, then you would die. It's ups and downs. That's, that's everybody. And I, I have moments where I didn't think I can, I can overcome some challenges, but now I feel like I can overcome anything. So I agree with you 100%, Lee. I have a question for you though. Today, you know, after everything that you've been through, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy because I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is look at the little card by the side of my bed that says it's got my icky guy on, the reason why I'm here. And that is to work with the world to increase awareness and consciousness to the point where when I die, the world is happier and healthier than the world I came into. So because I live with that purpose, like... I might have this disease, but I jump out of bed in the morning because I'm ready for another day of making that difference, of spreading that message. 
because that's me, I'm aligned. I've got that frequency. I've got that energy. And that just bleeds through your life. When uh, I'm like a roller coaster on its rails. As long as it's on its rails, it's happy. Mm-hmm. And even I can get knocked off those rails, but I know I can pick myself up and put myself back on. And yet, as I know that as long as I live with this clarity, it took time to get there. You're not all, and the truth is, I see happiness as like that guiding star in the sky. I don't see it as that like that distant beach that I'm rowing towards. So my happiness is in some ways, it's not somewhere I'm ever going to get. It just guides my everyday decisions. I'm always moving towards that star. And what that kind of does is it means that I'm on my journey, like walking up the mountain towards that star. And there's moments of joy, there's moments of fulfillment. And there is moments where I just stop, breathe, and just feel like my senses tingling because I know I'm moving towards that happy place. And in so many ways, that, that is life for me. And I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact. People are telling me that I'm doing that. And in so many ways, that does just give you the energy. And then that passion comes out when you speak to people. When I'm on yes. stages, when I'm in education, telling the next generation, it's not going to be easy. But keep your eyes open. Keep working. And don't be scared to fail. Because the more you fail, the more you learn. Yeah, if it wasn't for our failures, a lot of us wouldn't be who we are today. The I, I I'm, I'm loving this. And if, I'm sure there's people that want to know a lot more about you and, and your story. Where is the best place they can go to find you? So they can find me at leechambers.org and at essentialized.co.uk. And I'm on socials as well. So you can find me on Twitter at Essentialize and Instagram at Essentialize Coach. Awesome. I'll definitely make sure that I leave all of that in the show notes. Lee, I want to thank you so much for your time. And I know it's six o'clock in the morning uh, over there. So I thank you for being up in the morning and talking to me. Was there anything else that you wanted to make sure people get from this conversation or anything that I may have left out? I just think. Spread that message of hope. You've got everything you need inside you to find your own version of success. But don't let that be what society makes you think success is. Dig deep and find what success means to you. Awesome. I love it. And yeah, I I say that all the time. You know, what my success is and what your success is, what we define success as, it could be different. You got to find what success means to you. So you said that perfectly. I love it, Lee. Again, I want to... Thank you so very much for your time. And I really do appreciate you. I, I love everything that you're doing. I just want to thank you for coming to the show and you have a great day. Okay. Thank you, James. It's been a privilege. Thank you, Lee. What an amazing story. So much value there. It's cliche to say, but it's true that we don't really appreciate what we have until we lose things that we weren't grateful for. It's something that we're seeing a lot right now with this virus. I want you to check out Lee Chambers at LeeChambers.org and visit TheJamesShannon.com slash 12 for links, resources, and more information from today's episode. Next week, we speak to a woman that learned to stop stressing. Tune in for that, and I will talk to you guys later.